Amen. Would you stand with me and open your Bibles to Daniel? Daniel chapter 3. How many of you have been serving the Lord for more than 10 years? Can I see your hands? That's a lot. How about five years? All right. How many more than 10 years? Can I see your hand? All right. Well, today I want to talk to you as big people. And Daniel is a little book, but it's got a lot of amazing content. We learn about the society of angels. We learn about the place of Jesus in his relation with the Father. We learn a lot about the mysteries of the last days. But there's something in Daniel for our life right now, and I want us to turn to it. It's in Daniel chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. I want to read it out loud. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O King. Would you put your hand on your heart and pray this prayer out loud with me? Heavenly Father, I've come into your house to hear your word. Open my ears. Soften my heart to receive your message. And anoint your servant to speak for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Daniel is an important book for many reasons, but most importantly to me is that Daniel teaches us, it gives us a case study and a model for living in Babylon. Babylon is this rich, image all the way through the Bible. It starts at the Tower of Babel, and Babylon is defined spiritually for us as the uh, conspiracy of humans against God. It's when humans get together and they organize the use of their talents and their intelligence and their abilities and their resources to make war against God, to push God away. And it was at, at Babel, which became Babylon, that the nations of the world were born as God was trying to save the planet from this conspiracy of Babylon. But Babylon doesn't go away. It continues throughout the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament. In the book of Revelation, it's Babylon the Great, the, the great seductive harlot of the world because Daniel found himself living in Babylon but I'm here today to tell you that we're living in Babylon Babylon does its work through the pillars of society if you look around this building today you've got these columns on the end these pillars and they hold the place up well every nation every society is built on its pillars. These pillars are the government. The pillars are education, the system of learning, 
in that nation. The pillars, another pillar is religion, whatever the religion is in that nation. You've got the pillar of money because the economy and the economic system and we've come up with banks now, banking sector, uh, that whole part drives so much of our daily life. And today we have this new pillar called media. And that's why it's so important that Christians get involved in media and that we learn to speak media as a church because it's the new world language. And young people around the world, not just young people, but especially young people, are averaging 10 hours a day of media. And it's coming. Uh, it's, it's in its early development in your nation, but four times more. However much you think media is a big part of life here right now, you are at approximately one-fourth the level of connectivity as the nations of the West. It's coming, and we've already seen what comes with it. And it's not good. Why? Because it's Babylon. And in Babylon, all of the pillars are spiritually charged with anti-God, anti-Christ energy. That's why you, you'll never hear somebody say, oh, you should go into the entertainment industry. You will just grow spiritually so much. Oh, you should go into education. You should go in the highest standards of learning around the world. They're the most God-honoring, you know, God-loving people in the world. It's great company. No. All the pillars are energized against God and against the King of the earth, Jesus Christ, His Son. And they will always push with spiritual resistance so Paul can say we're, we're wrestling. What's he wrestling with? Religion. Religious leaders. He's wrestling with the government. He's wrestling with proconsuls. He's wrestling with the silversmith union that makes money making idols. And he says, I'm wrestling and I'm wrestling, but we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. We're wrestling with powers and principalities and spiritual darkness in high places because we live in Babylon. Now, the church is always looking for a model we're looking for examples of how to live. And, and sometimes we go, well, we love the Joshua stories and the Moses stories because those are stories about conquest. A Joshua generation is about taking over a country, taking over physical property, about becoming powerful in military, about blessing about getting lands and houses and planting vineyards and having herds and cattle. And the Joshua generation is able to get and accumulate and have power. But this is not a story about the Joshua generation. And I don't believe we're living in a Joshua generation. We're living in Babylon. And as you look at the last book of the Bible and the way Jesus describes the uh, future development of the world and how the systems of the world are going to uh, engage His people, He always describes it, and the book of Revelation describes it as Babylon, as a beast, as an animal, as a sea, all of it pushing against God's people. And we're in this world, and that's... That's where Daniel found himself. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. 
they found themselves living in this tension and this pressure. They could never just automatically become closer to the Lord. They had to push to grow. They had to, they had to move against resistance, spiritual resistance. You know, some people use, uh, I think they have the idea of resistance backwards. They'll try to do something, let's say an outreach. They'll try to do a ministry or go in a direction that they know has been in their heart. And they push into it, and, it's, and then it becomes difficult. And I'll hear them say, oh, we tried, but it was just too hard. It must be God telling us he didn't want us to do it. I think you could actually use resistance as a compass because it's the one place the devil does not want you to go is going to be the hard place to go. Sometimes you just have to lean into it and push a little harder. Sometimes spiritual resistance is your way to know even what the will of God is because we've done a lot of things in our life, but when God told us go into media training for the body of Christ. We have ne- and I had a friend who had done it before me. And he said to us, you had better get a lot of people praying for you. It is not going to be easy. You're going to have things happen to you that are so strange because this is an area, the programming of minds all over the world, the turning of hearts, the planting of thoughts and culture. These are things that are, it's serious business. So we're living in Babylon And we're going to have to fight the good fight. But Jeremiah gave God's people trapped in Babylon exiles. And when you're in exile, you don't have power. You don't have political power. You don't have money. You don't have an army. You don't have a big uh, bank account. You're just a little guy when you're in exile. And God took all these people out of Israel. They were big shots in Israel. But now they're in Babylon, and they were the poor, and they were the weak. And then there were these four men, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. And he took them from zero to hero, and they became the governors. And Daniel was chief of all of them. But they're there as an exile. And they're there as that. Well, why are they there anyway? Well, a lot of reasons, but one of them is, strangely, God loves the people of Babylon. They're antichrist. They push against everything he loves. They want to pull him down. They want to build a tower and make war on heaven. It's against God, the whole population. But he loves them. And he sent his people into Babylon, stuck them there, powerless, poor, not the big boss, to be a light, to be a revelation to Babylonian people. And in these stories in the book of Daniel, we keep having encounters between God's people and the nobility, God's people and the generals. God's people and the king. But they don't, you know, it's not king to king. It's exile to king. There's no power. They have no human power. 
But they, the kings keep encountering these unusual people. These people that have a supernatural connection to the God of the world who made this world. Well, our story. In this story that we jumped into, you know this story already, right? The king has decided to create a new world religion. He's got people from all over the world in his kingdom. They all have their own gods, and he wants to unify things. And so he creates a new god, and he says to them, all of you are going to bow down before this God. I'm going to make great music. We're going to sound the high note. Everybody, face down, declare your loyalty. Say that this new God is Lord. And all of the people were gathered, and all the people of Israel were gathered, and everybody was there. And then the note sounded, and every single person hit the sands, nose in the ground, even the Israelites, apparently. Except three. Three men are standing. And they are the governors. Wow, this looks bad for the king. How humiliating. How dishonoring in their culture. And he is, as our story, if you want to read before that, he's furious. It says he was boiling with rage. And if they weren't so valuable, he would just have killed them. Because before they even started worship, he had already made the execution place. And it was already burning for anybody who would not bow down. Bow down to the gods of Babylon. What is Babylon commanding you to bow down to? What is Babylon putting before you and telling you, Bow down, I say, bow down. And you may look around you and you may see as Daniel did, there's my uncle, he's bowing down. There are my leaders, they're bowing down. It was a moment of decision. It was a moment where, because see, this is part of Babylon. You might have to take a Babylonian name to live in Babylon. When Joseph lived in Egypt, he got the, the Pharaoh gave him the daughter of a pagan priest to be his wife. And you know that had complications with it. So there are some things you have to do when you live in Babylon. And some of it, you just have to work it all out. Like, is, is that one a big deal or is that okay? And this is how we develop morally. You have to make these judgments that doesn't I would not do that but it's expected of me and I guess it's okay I could do that one but you got to know and you need to know ahead of time where's that where's that line because you don't think it up in the moment that's why all of Israel was on their face in the dirt but these three guys see they're leaders they're governors, they're administrators. They have to think about next year while it's this year. They have to make their plans. And they could see, I mean, they watched them building the idol. They knew what was coming. They were already making up their mind, and they knew right where the line is. Do I have to attend the ceremony? Yes, I have to attend the ceremony. I'm in a pluralistic society. I'm in a government position. I'm attending a government function. Will I bow my nose to the ground and say that that thing is my creator? 
and my maker and my Lord? Will I bow down to the gods of Babylon? Will I bow down? We have our own Babylon, right? We've got money. We've got sex. We've got power. Those three things have always been against us. We've got the lure of pornography. We've got corruption. We've got every dark and devious thing. We've got becoming a deceptive person, manipulating other people in Babylon, saying it's just a little thing. Bow down. Bow down. You're going to have to know where your line is. And there comes a day where you have to say, no, I do not bow. I do not bow. Oh, but the others bowed. I do not bow. I don't answer for them. Amen. I answer for me. You know, the church is always seduced by the culture in which it is embedded. Charles Gherkin said that. So there are these choices, and you bow down. And, and, a lot of, and when they stand before the king, they're so bold. They say, oh, king, we're not even going to be careful about our words. The God that we serve is well able to deliver us from that fiery furnace over there. He will deliver us. Let's make it personal. He'll deliver us out of your hand. Not only is he able, but he's going to do it. He's taking us out from under your authority. That is bold. You are begging for trouble. They didn't say, oh, your majesty, please forgive us for not bowing. It's not time for that. You said you wouldn't cross that line. Stand up. Serve God. And they did. Because they had that confidence. We serve a great God. He's not like the other gods. That thing, it's nothing. A man made that. We serve the maker of universes. We serve a God of miracles. Amen. He's shown himself faithful to his people. He works wonders and miracles all over the world. There are people that have been healed by the power of Jesus Christ. There are people who have left their dark life. There are people that have had such bondage to addiction and it's come off of them and they're free today and they will tell you who set them free. The name above every name. You can have confidence in the Lord and you got to have confidence. The Bible said if you're going to come to God, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And as these men stood before the king, they knew they're also standing before the Lord. They wanted the Lord to hear them say, I have absolute confidence in God's ability to deliver me away from that fiery furnace. Not even worried about it. We are absolutely certain. Now, that's a wonderful thing. Some people, however, believe that, okay, here's the gospel that a lot of people believe. It's the gospel of blessings, okay? That I make a deal with God, and if I will agree to give him worship, now he is bound and his job is to make good things happen to me. I have to make more money, a little bit, every year than the year before. I have to, also he has to protect me from bad things happening to me. Because that's his job. Because that's the deal. And so they go through life, and I, but I've seen them because that's 
as good as that sounds, it's insufficient faith for living in Babylon. Because at some point, it just might not work. Your system might break down. But see, there's some, and there's baby Christians. And there's people that I don't know what they are. But they, they have this uh, contingent relationship with God. I serve you for the good things you do for me. And I demand good things. I've heard people pray. I actually heard a woman pray this prayer. Oh God, if you don't do this miracle, I will never worship you again. I heard her say it and I was, I was shocked that she would say such a thing. But I know that's common. And there are a lot of people that might not say words like that, but they're very quick to get mad at God and to be disappointed with God when things don't go their way. You know, we don't lose any sleep over bad things happening to somebody far, far away. But when it happens to me, 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 my favorite person, me, What's the difference in major surgery and minor surgery? Minor is when it happens to you. Major is when it happens to me, right? Everything that touches us is a big deal. I lose my job, that's a big deal. And a lot of people just start losing it with God when they don't get it their way. That's why I love the faith of Habakkuk. 317. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, and though the labor of the olive may fail, and the yield, the fields yield no food, though my flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. We need and another clause if you believe you have a contract with God there's something missing if you don't add this clause look at verse 18 in our story they said to the king we don't bow we don't bow because the God we serve is able to deliver us look at verse 18 it's powerful but if not what do you mean? But if not, but if he doesn't deliver us, let it be known to you, O king, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you have set up. You need an if not clause in your walk with God. If you have a contract with God, you need to add that clause. You add it. But if not and sign your name to that and now you're equipped to live in Babylon because it's not always going to go your way and the coin is not always going to land on heads and time and chance will happen to all of us and we may even have to endure persecution as these did because we have to understand he's a big God He's got 
bigger things in his vision. He's moving in a bigger way than just my one little problem that I'm dealing with. And I can't make every single issue in my life. I have to win. I have to win. I have to win. Being loyal to God has to be tested. And being loyal means accepting that you sometimes need to lose because of your loyalty to God. It's a hard word. It's a grown-up word. But if not. But if not. They had it. They had it. I think somebody here may be in a circumstance where you're, you're disappointed with God. You're, you're pushing back from God because it hasn't gone your way. You need to add this clause to your faith, my brother, my sister. But if not. I heard a story from Uganda. The testimony from one of the executioners of Idi Amin. And his job was to kill pastors. And he would drag their families out. And he would kill their father in front of them. Make them watch, crying and screaming. He said, They've, I've had them die every way. They die cursing me. They die calling down blood on my family from the Lord. They die sending me to hell. They die saying, may God bring this back to you. But he said, one day... I dragged a man out and his family. And before I took my machete to him, he said, wait, stop for just a minute. I want to tell you that I forgive you for what you're about to do. I want to tell you that this doesn't, this doesn't frighten me. That I know my God and I know where I'm about to go. And this in just a few minutes, this is going to be over for me. But God has a calling on you. And he's calling you to repent and to change your life. And he said, I killed him. And I couldn't stop thinking about him. He was in my dreams. He was in my waking. I couldn't get him out of my mind. How does a man become a man like that? He had an if not clause. He said, it wasn't too long I found myself on my knees confessing my sins. Why? He's a Babylonian. Jesus died for Babylonians. He said, now I preach the gospel. I go back to the same villages where I killed people. I preach the gospel in my nation because that man was different from anyone I had ever met in my life. God is a tough God. And He is building big people. He is building strong children. Children that don't always have to get the happy ending to the story. These men stood before the king and they said, Our God is able to deliver us. He's going to deliver us. But if not, go ahead and fire it up. We will not bow. What are they saying? I'm not in charge of Babylon. I'm not in charge of Ethiopia. But I'm in charge of me. And I'm in charge of my knees. And I say who I bow down to. 
And I say no to Babylon, no to your gods. I'm not bowing. I'm not becoming like the others. I am a child of God. I'm here to serve my father. I am loyal to my father. And you know, the Lord notices people like that. Look at the last book of the Bible. Flip over. I want you to read it. Revelation 21, verse 7. Revelation 21, 7. It's the end of the story. He, well, let me back up because I love verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I will give him of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Look at this. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Do you see that word? Overcome. In the Old Testament, there's a big word and it's the word deliverance. And everybody loves that word because it means, you know, we're at the end of our rope. We don't know what to do. We just stand there and worship and bam, God comes in and saves the day. And in the Old Testament, we have story after story exactly like that. But then you get to the New Testament, to the way of Jesus. And the word deliverance is hardly there. It's a new word. What's the word? Overcomer. The mountain is still there. Now you don't get to avoid it. You face it. You go over it. The storm still comes. You face it and rebuke the storm. You become an overcomer. It's a different kind of person. It's a different word. It's a different generation. But this is the way of Jesus. He is making overcomers. And I love that promise. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he will be my son. Well, what happens at the end of the story? Honestly, it doesn't matter. They win. They win because they didn't cross the line. They already won. They win because they boldly confess to the king that they serve the great God. They win because they used their spiritual authority and they took control of their own actions and they made a statement with their lives. I am not here to get promoted. I am here as a light to Babylon. I am not here to close every deal. I may have to lose some deals because they're crooked and I'm not doing it. I may have to lose. I'm not here to become the biggest businessman in the country. I'm here to be a light to Babylon. you got to have that mindset. It's a last day's mindset. We are in an era we've never faced before. It's not about taking land. It's not about conquering and about being a Christian in politics or in military or in any other thing. It's about being light to a corrupt generation to a broken system when all the pillars are aligned against God's people and everybody else is on their face three people are standing and God wants you to be one of those 
who stand. Stand firm, my brothers and sisters.